Good, 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 good morning. Good for those who are online, welcome. Good to have you with us today. We continue on in our little series called The Way. Um, So today the title is that faith is the linchpin of following. And here's a question I have, questions I have for you. Do you know that God is for you? Are you aware of that? We sing it, but do you know it here deep in your heart that God is actually for you? That God loves the creation that you are. That God just joys over that. That you reflect God's image. Uh, God wants to be present with you. That God uh, takes great pleasure promising to you God's faithfulness. That God always walks with you. That God takes pleasure in being present, being Emmanuel to you. That God does that. And I, and I love... Speaking of just doing, you know, daily readings or whatever, there's things that just the Holy Spirit, I find, just points out to me. And yesterday when I was in Psalm 149, it was just the next Psalm up, right, in the list. And, and I stopped and I read these words of what the, the psalmist wrote down. And it was like, this is amazing. It's, it says this, starting at verse 4, For the Lord delights in his people. God delights in you. That's beautiful. You think of when a parent delights in their little child. You know, we had our grandson over yesterday. And I could tell in April just delight that she has in him. Right? That's God with us. You know that? Like it's, for the Lord delights in his people. And then the psalmist goes on saying, he crowns the humble with victory. Here's the king of kings crowning us. Crowning the humble, when we come to God and humble ourselves, he crowns us. It gives him great joy. Then it goes on, let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. You're honored by God. These are things I just sat and just tasted. It's like, taste it and just, do you hear that, Scott? Do you hear what, what God does? He honors you. And then this next line just, I thought was beautiful. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. How sweet is that, eh? <laughs> How sweet is that? But that's, that's what God desires for you, for us, is that we'd be at such peace with him that we, we could lie in our beds and just sing for joy. I'm sure that's what little kids do, little babies do, right? And Jesus, he delights in people. He woos us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't woo us. He doesn't call us by, uh, you know, threats or anger or manipulation. There's no fear. He's not fear-driven. We've all had our fill of lots of fear from, you know, the headlines and the news and stuff, right? Because it gets our attention, but that's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that. He woos us with his love. What we've been singing about today, that's what he does. And, and Jesus, it's not that Jesus has a life for us. Life flows from Jesus. If there's life, it's from Jesus because Jesus is life. And this life that he calls us to, it's, you know, I've tried to figure out why can't you just go poof and give me the life when I change, Right? That'd be nice if it was just a one-time thing like poof and you're done. (laughs) You know, I don't have to work through things. But I think there's something also about walking in this life he gives with Jesus, walking with him. There is no magic wands. There is none of that because there's no love is required in that. 
Relationship requires love. Relationship requires that. And there's this thing that God longs, longs to have relationship. We sang there at the end, friend forever. Jesus, friend forever. And that for me is so meaningful, so deep and so meaningful for me. I love that. And Jesus calls and he invites us to now follow him. And that following isn't passive. It's not passive following. It's not you make a decision. Because I know we use the language, I, I'm guilty of it. I've made a decision for Jesus and I can sit back. It's not that at all. Following Jesus is dynamic. It's leaning in. It's engaging. It's rails to run on. Jesus is the rails to run on. There's meaning to it. It's moving. It's powerful. It was one of the things for me. I forget who I was saying to today. I think my birth was a breach birth. <laughs> In the sense that like I accepted Jesus, got baptized four years later, and then two years later I walked away. And then I came to Jesus, became a follower, like encountered Jesus, like for real. And the problem for me was it wasn't real. And for me, my thing all along in my life, this is either real or it's not. If it's not real, I got other things I can do. I don't have to waste my time doing this. It has to be real, following. And since that encounter, I know it's real. When Jesus meets you in a phone booth, it's real. (laughs) Now, if there is nothing else that I would like you to take from today's teaching, I want what I'm going to talk about now, I want that to be burned into your mind, (laughs) okay? Branded in there, right? I want it to stay there. So I hope I do some branding today, or I hope the Holy Spirit does, does some branding. Earlier in this year, uh, Tab and I, we team taught, and we were talking about just what we sensed the Lord was saying to us as a church, and we reiterated many, many times that the one indispensable thing for us as a fellowship was this, intimacy with Jesus, That was core to who we were, that we were about, and we've always been in our history, people of the presence of Jesus, of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst, full on. And for us, it's core, it's foundational, it's the air we breathe, right? You shut that off and we can't breathe. It's what we long for, what we talk about, what you, what you hear from us. It's in our music. Um, it's in our prayers. It's, it's all of that. And we're called to cultivate that intimacy with Jesus. Core essential. And why is that core essential? Why would it be? Because I even, it's not just our unique calling. I believe it's the calling of all followers of Jesus to have intimacy with him, to be intimate, to be close, to to be like this with Jesus. And the reason I believe that, because following Jesus requires faith. And you hear that right from Genesis all the way through right to the end is this whole thing, this whole journey we're on, the core thing that has to be there is faith. Now, you've heard it said, and we say it, and I agree with part of it, but we say faith is spelt R-I-S-K, right? And I would like to propose to you that faith is actually spelled T-R-U-S-T, it's trust. It's trust. 
There's something about intimacy that when you know someone very well, there's a trust that happens. And it's from that trust you are able to follow freely. The trust is so important and you see it, it's embedded. You see it all throughout scripture, this thing of, you know, trusting Jesus and walking as a result of that trust. You can call it faith, you can call it trust, whatever you want to call it, but it's that absolute leaning in to Jesus. And you got to remember what Jesus calls us to. He's calling us to, to let go Because he remember his words that are quoted in Mark, especially Mark's gospel, that Jesus came announcing the kingdom, repent of your sins, right? Turn to me, follow me. That whole thing of repent is to rethink. It's to let go of what I think is life and my ideas of what I think it is and to let go of that and to take hold of what Jesus says is life. That takes trust. Because I don't know if you haven't found, but I have found for me, it's hard to let go. What I want to do is to have some hold on here, and now I'll reach out. (laughs) Right? That's the honest truth. There's areas in my life I don't fully want to let go of. It's just there. But full-on trust requires that I am able to let go and embrace Jesus. And it's when you do that, that you encounter the realness of what Jesus calls us to. And that his words, his teachings can be trusted. And you can walk fully as he calls us into this life. Now, I like to use illustrations. For me, illustrations help because it's a picture I get to hang the teaching on. It makes it tangible, makes it real. And there's only one illustration I have found that really, for me, encapsulates this whole thing of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, And I believe it's imperative for us as followers, and especially in North America, to grasp this, to see the import of this. This illustration is a a historical fact that took place back in the year of 1859. And in June of that year, there was a guy who was, uh, well, he was a tightrope walker. And I've used this before, but I want you to hear it again. His name was Charles Blondin. And in June of 1859, he made his first attempt across Niagara Falls. And he was successful. <laughs> but he made his first attempt then. And they say in the history books that there was approximately, guesstimating, 100,000 people who were present watching this thing take place. And when he did it, it was like he just ramped up as far as popularity goes. And he was just hailed as like, you're the greatest thing that's ever been around. And then throughout that summer, he did that again many times. He just ramped up the, uh, the danger part of it. He did things, he added to the act by blindfolded. Imagine that, Right? He did it pushing a wheelbarrow across. He did it on stilts. That 
<laughs> I'm not even sure I'd want to walk on stilts here. <laughs> but he did it with stilts. And then, of course, he's also known to he, what he did. He went out halfway, uh, sat down, made an omelet, and ate it, and then continued. Ser- like, seriously. And so he was, he was touted as the amazing thing. And, but the thing that really crowned him was the one day that he crossed and people cheered, right? Because he's just amazing. And he goes, who thinks I could take somebody on my back across here? Yeah, of course, all the crowd went, of course, yeah, right? If you go to a circus and, you know, you see all the acrobats and that, uh, yeah. And his question was, who's going to go first? Who wants to go first? Crickets. <laughs> right? You're not making eye contact with them, right? Just look down, right? No one's looking. He had a manager by the name of Harry Colcord. Harry, he's the promoter. He knew the importance of continuing to build this act and the money it would bring in, etc. right? But he knew the importance of building it up. And so it was the whole thing of if they could do this, if, if we get Blondin to go across Niagara Falls with somebody on his back, then we got it, right? We're the, we're the best in the world. But the question was, who are we going to get to do it? <laughs> who do you pick? You know, who, who, who answers that ad in the newspaper, <laughs> right? Who's going to do that? And it's recorded in the history books that Harry realized that if he's going to promote Blondin in this way, it actually has to be him that goes on Blondin's back. He has to do it. And so the date was set. And on that date... Blondin did his tightrope at the end, did his thing. You know, who thinks I could carry somebody on my back across here? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's when Harry stepped up. And the phenomenal thing isn't so much that Harry stepped up and got on his back, but it's what Blondin said to him when he got on his back. And it was recorded by Harry afterwards because he shared what Blondin said to him because there were, there were some words. People saw Blondin talking to him. And what he said to him was this. And I'm just quoting from the records that were kept. Look up, Harry. You are no longer Colcord. You are Blondin. Be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we will both go to our death. And that's the photograph of them. God bless Harry. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be Scott on there. I can tell you that. Following Jesus requires that I let go of my ideas and my ways of life and I take hold of Jesus and I begin this faith journey together with him. And Blondin's words to Harry are applicable for me in following Jesus or applicable for you in following Jesus. Because if I lose my balance, it's me that goes to my death, not Jesus, right? 
but I can hear the words, look up, Scott. You are now one with me. Be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, it will be futile. It's exactly what Jesus calls us to. It's exactly what following is. It's exactly what faith is. It's trust. It's trust that I will follow wherever he goes. We sing it. We sing songs. We sing songs about all, you know, I surrender all to Jesus, right? I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Well, hop on my back. Well, not there, Lord. (laughs) Right? That's what it can be. But this is what Jesus calls us to. Following requires trust. Scripture is actually filled with people who are faced with a tightrope walk. Do I jump on his back or do I not? Do I follow or do I not? Let's take one. The first one, Peter. In Acts chapter 10, 9 to 16, Luke recounts a story Uh, One of the accounts of of Peter, he was on a rooftop and he fell asleep, had this vision, went into what, and it says, went into a trance and had this vision of a sheep being lowered down and all these animals were on it, reptiles and stuff. They were all, according to the Jewish law, unclean. And Peter heard a voice that said, Peter, kill them and eat them. And Peter responded, I would never eat any unclean food, Lord. And the response back was, don't call unclean what I have called clean. That was a tightrope walk. You can imagine what that would have been like, right? Peter is a Jewish man who follows the Jewish law, respects the Jewish law, would never veer from that. And here Jesus is saying, take, eat. Don't call unclean what I've said is clean, what I've declared clean. And Peter, he got on Jesus' back and he took it that way. What that did is that opened up the good news for the Gentiles. It opened up the good news to the world that this was more than just going to the Jewish people. This was, this was for the world, this grace of Jesus. And Peter took that, hopped on his back. A rich religious leader approached Jesus, and this is in Luke's gospel, he approaches Jesus and this rich religious leader says, what do I need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know, he gives him a few laws and he goes, I have obeyed all that. And Jesus says, oh, there's one other thing. And here's a tightrope walk. Sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Rich young ruler couldn't do it. Didn't get on. Another story. We all know this one, Abraham, chapter 22 of Genesis. And here, Abraham, the Lord tells Abraham, I want you to, oh, tomorrow, take your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go to this place, I'll tell you, and I want you to sacrifice him. Abhorrent thing to even think about as a parent, right? But that's what Abraham hears. And then the story goes in here that the next day, Abraham gets Isaac, tells him to go get some, gather some wood. They gather wood. And they says, we're going over here to offer a sacrifice. And Isaac turns to his dad and goes, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham goes, God will provide. God will provide that. 
And Abraham continues to walk this through to the point where the story says in Genesis that he lays his son on the altar, this altar that's been built, and he's bound, and he draws the knife. And then there's a voice that says, whoa, Abraham, don't. Don't. I've seen that the Lord has seen. What's the difference in all these stories? What is it here? In Peter's story... Peter had a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. It was Jesus who was the one who, after Peter had gone through that heart-wrenching time of denying Jesus just before his death, and Jesus comes and meets him and other disciples on the beach, makes breakfast for them, and restores Peter. Peter knew Jesus' voice. Peter knew that when Jesus said, eat, he could trust Jesus. What was the difference with the rich religious leader? Didn't know Jesus. Couldn't hop on his back on that one. Couldn't do it. There's something about the intimacy. What what was up with Abraham? How could Abraham even begin to prepare and gather all the stuff and take his son and walk to the place where the sacrifice was to begin? Because Abraham knew God. There was a friendship. There was an intimacy there that Abraham had. And he, so he could walk with him. And he could walk this out. And he knew his words to Isaac are telling. God will provide the sacrifice. He knew. He didn't understand fully where he was walking, what was going on, what this was all about. But he did know God. There was this intimacy that Abraham had. This love that he had. This thing, faith, trust, it is the linchpin of following. And a linchpin, if you don't know what that is, if you take an axle, you put a wheel on it, there's a hole where you can put a pin through so the wheel doesn't fall off. And when it comes to the whole thing of following, if faith isn't there, if there isn't a trust in Jesus, if there isn't an intimacy, it becomes very difficult to lean fully on Jesus and to follow wherever he takes you. It becomes really challenging. But when you get to know who Jesus is, the joy that is there, the joy of following and, and what you get to experience... But without it, you don't go anywhere. When Blondin called out to the crowd, do you believe I can carry a person across? And they went, yeah. And who was going to go first? And everyone backed away. But that whole cheering, that whole cheering from the crowd, and then Harry who gets on his back, the difference in those two, the difference between Harry and the crowd The crowd didn't know Blondin. They didn't know him. There wasn't an intimate relationship there with Blondin. Harry knew Blondin and trusted him. And he got on his back and and went across. We saw the picture there. The crowd were fans. Harry was a follower. Jesus doesn't call us to be fans. Jesus didn't give his life for fans. Called to be followers. That's where the real life is. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's what makes it real. Because if it's just being a fan, I'm not in. Jesus, you say you have this life. I want the life. How do I get it? And, and the invitation is walk with me. 
Do life with me. Take, take me wherever you go every day. You have a challenge, ask me. If you're stumped, ask me. If you're frustrated, talk to me about it. If you see something that's beautiful, tell me about it. And I'm getting there slowly. When I was out for my run yesterday and looking at the beautiful, uh, it was out in the, in the woods there and looking at the beautiful leaves and trees. It was gorgeous. And then I heard this beautiful songbird. I didn't know what a songbird was doing in the cold, right? But I had the wherewithal at least to go, Jesus, thank you for that songbird. That was a nice songbird. Nice. That, uh, that makes my day, right? I saw the gift and know Jesus' presence is there. Know Jesus is with me wherever I go. And I'm trying to see, trying to learn. Paul captured it really well in Philippians. Paul writes this about this whole thing with following. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, uh, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And Jesus is saying to you, to me, to all of us, look up. You are now one with me. Be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, it will be futile. Look, this following Jesus, and I want to speak to you who are online, it's more than attending church, doing that. There's a life that Jesus offers, that Jesus calls us to. There is something that Unless we're willing to step out and follow, we will never experience here. I am fully convinced that we are, I I understand now why Paul and Peter and John and James and Jude, why they, it's, you can almost see pleading with the church to understand that the new life doesn't begin in heaven. This new life begins right now, right now, today, it's here. And we can take it. And it's just a matter of leaning in. It's just a matter of putting our full weight on Jesus and trusting Jesus. Because that's what belief is. That's what belief is. It's putting your full weight on him. And to have that life now. And what I'm experiencing in my own life, I feel I'm, I'm getting there. Getting there. Got a long way to go. <laughs> Got a long way to go, but I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm convinced we can have that life now. We sang there that last song that Jesus, friend forever. And I want us as a fellowship to be known as friends of Jesus. People who, are, who follow, not just fans, but people who follow. Who wherever we go, people go, there's something different about you. The way, the way you live the decisions you make. What is that? We want to be real, don't we? If we're not real, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing if, we're not, if it's not real? Right? I know it's real. And I, if there's others of you that know it's real who are listening online or here, then join with me because I want to I lean into this. 
I want more of it. I want more. I want to discover this life that Jesus offers. I want to do that. Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we just say, thank you for your call to us to come and to lean into you, to become one with you, mind and body and soul, and to walk with you, to sway with you, to go where you go. I pray, Holy Spirit, put a hunger in us, Lord, that we'll be tenacious in our following, that we'd be willing to give it all to get the life that you offer. We know we have it. (laughs) We know that. But Lord, we want to step into it, to live into it, to be it. We are your body, Jesus. We are your body. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and heal us. Draw us deeper into who you are. We want everything you offer. I know for many who are maybe here, maybe for you it hasn't been real. Maybe some who are watching, uh, you're curious about Jesus, but you've never encountered him. God is for you. God is pursuing you. God is not a distant God from you. God is close. He is close. And he desires to walk with you and be with you, that you encounter his presence. He longs for it. He loves you. And the life he offers is real life. This life that we experience in the world, we see the futility in our world. We see that. And God is pursuing us, pursuing humanity and saying, here, I have it for you. Take it, take it. For those who are watching, if you don't know Jesus, I just invite you to say to Jesus, I want to follow you, need you. Because the good news is God has already forgiven you. You were already forgiven. And I would urge you to receive that forgiveness. Receive it. Thank you. 